believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Father, we ask you to come and rest on us today, Lord. When I think of resting, I think that that's just a settling. Lord, we pray you would come and settle here in our hearts this morning, Lord. That you want to be quick to leave, Father. Just come, Lord, and rest on us.
you're going with that, Father. Because it sounds silly, but I heard him say so clearly that it's time to stop cheating on your diet. If you want results, you have to put in the work. And I just want you to think, if you've been married or you've seen a marriage, you know the most important person in that person's life physically is their spouse. And they couldn't go around being with someone else in that relationship. Stay strong. And I hear him say, it's time to come back to your first love. It's time to stop sneaking those cookies or those sweets that you know you're not supposed to be dabbling in. You know you're not supposed to be taking part of. And if you want to see results in your life, let's become consistent. Let's turn towards our first love, the one who loves unconditionally, the one who, only one who will never let us down, the one who's going to be there through the hard times and the good. I know in my life I want results. Let's live a life worthy of the results that we crave. I love you, Lord.
Well, it's good to have you this morning. Live streamers, wherever you're watching from. YouTube, Facebook, it's good to have you. It's like, like corralling a, a herd of cattle or something. Huh? Do a whistle. All right, everybody, time for diving off and grab a seat. If you guys keep talking too much, they might think you might like each other. We don't want to know that, okay? That's it. Express that love too much. They might think we're Christians. I know, I know. It's, it's every Sunday. I'm glad you guys like each other so much. That's good. You know, you know when, the, when the society around us can see a group of people that come together, and, and one of the amazing things about the body of Christ, we come together, but we're so diverse, but yet we learn how to get along and love one another and bear one another's burdens and forgive one another and that kind of business, then society can look in the church and say, they won't say it like this, but they'll start to understand that's what the kingdom of God is like. In other words, that's what God is like. That's amazing, amen? That's, it's one of the reasons why we're brought together. Anyhow, tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prep that. Offering envelopes are in the seats in front of you. If not, uh, wave your hand around, and one of our amazing ushers will help you out with that. I, they also have prayer cards, by the way. If you have a prayer request today, we'd love to join in faith with you about your prayer need. Uh, you can wave your hand around, and, and Mr. Uh, what's your name? Gavin. Yeah, Gavin has those. Yeah, all right. So, uh, if you need a prayer request card, grab one of those from Gavin and turn it into an usher myself, and, and we'll add them to our, our prayer list. So anyhow, it's good to have you. Tithe and offering as we give. You know, God is always building you into something. He never leaves you where you are. He comes to you where you are, so come as you are, but then he's going to take you somewhere. And everything that he asks of you is not just the act of what you're responding to, but with that, he's building something in you. So in our giving of our tithe and our offering, it's not just the act of giving, but also what he's building in you because of the act of the giving. So as we know, as people, we're generally what? Greedy. We, we like to look out for ourselves and make sure I'm taken care of. And if that's taken care of, then maybe I'll think about somebody else. But God says, hey, the first fruit that comes in belongs to me. I am the one who brings your sister. Uh, your, your provision anyways, right? So he makes you think outside of yourself at the first. Uh, he's building something in you. He's making you into somebody who is selfless. Isn't that, isn't that the Christian life, to be selfless? So as you give today, God is building things in you, sometimes beyond our understanding in the act of what we're doing, but he's doing something. So we do things sometimes beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, Right? But God is always at work, is he not? You believe that? Amen. So let me pray over your tithe and offering. If you have something, you can bring it down today. Lord, we thank you as we continue our worship today and our giving. Uh, Lord, that is holy unto you, that it pleases you. But Lord, that we know that uh, you are making us into something. That's your likeness, that become like you, Lord. And I thank you for an opportunity to do that, Lord. We know that you're always in front of us put provision. You're always providing this day our daily bread and beyond, Lord, so we can be those that are a blessing to those around us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. Let me, uh, let me get on with the 
quick announcements today, then we have a, a presentation for you this morning uh, for a few moments before the message today. Uh, don't forget school supplies. Justice, wave your hand around. Right behind Justice is a crate on the back there, and that's full of school supplies. So what we love to do is, and we began this last year, we want to provide all the students in our church with school supplies that they need for the school year. So uh, we have a, a week or so left of that, so please bring in school supplies. And once uh, we gather those up, we'll divide them up among uh, the 30 or more students we have in our church and bless those families this year with school supplies. So you can put it back there. If it's, if it's overflowing, just put it on the floor there, and we'll gather it up. Okay, so a couple things that are important that I want to throw out to you. First of all, tomorrow night we're kicking back off church-wide prayer, Monday nights. Every Monday night from, what was one person happy about that? Um, no, every Monday night from 6 to 7, starting back tomorrow, we took our little summer break, uh, church-wide prayer right here. We gather uh, as a family of faith because prayer is our first step. Remember, remember what we say, pray first. When something happens in life, I go get advice from somebody first. No, that may not be a bad idea, but your first step is to pray, right? No matter what you face in life, well, the first thing I'm going to do when something happens, I'm going I'm to I'm look it up on the Internet and Google it. The doctor told me something, so let me Google what that means. Uh, stop, time out. It's probably a bad idea. Pray first. Everything in life, your first response is to so we believe that as a church. So church-wide prayer tomorrow from 6 to 7 every Monday night right here. Now, um, what we do put together is we do put together uh, prayer guides. So at least in the first step as a church, we're on the same page in the things we pray about. Now, if you cannot make it Monday nights, I know people are busy, but if you can't make it Monday nights, we still want you to join with us in prayer. So we have some prayer guides to give out right now. So if you want one, raise your hand up, and these young men will, will get them to you. So keep your hand raised up until you get one. And it's just certain things that we are praying about as a church, for our church, for our community, and different things like that. So we believe in prayer, and we're going to pray together as a church. All right? So, and as that's happening, the next announcement is our fall semester of small groups have officially kicked back off. So... What I'm going to do is we're going to intro each of our small group leaders real quick and let them know, or let you guys know, when they're happening. So Judah leads the guys group on Friday night, so stand up real fast and tell them when you meet and if you're currently meeting right now. So fourth Friday, what time? 7 p.m. right here at the church. Okay, Christine. Christine, when's your group meet? And you begin the 14th, right? So the second Monday, 11 a.m. right here on the 14th. Uh, Samara and Tori, well, one of you guys stand up. Seven p.m. Okay, so uh, and then the Joy Fellowship, Bill and Patsy. When do you guys meet?
Well, thank you. Did I miss anybody? I think that's everybody. Now, if you heard that information, it totally went over your head. Back on the backboard, there's a poster. It has all that information on it. So please get involved. If you haven't been to one in the past, uh, jump out to one. Just show up. You don't have to stay, do anything, say anything. Just come as you are. Show up to the small group. Everybody's welcome and all of that business. So uh, having said that, we have a presentation this morning. And I think they got to do something to get a video up on the screen here. So Samara, you want to get that ready? Um, there's something that's been happening in our area, and I think it's nationally too, right? It's called LifeWise Academy, and we have a great opportunity as a church that we are going to be the host church for the LifeWise Academy for this coming school year, which is a really awesome thing. But we want uh, you know a little bit more about what it's involved. So here's the video, and then, then we have a couple people come up to give a presentation. Came home, and she basically said this. Our school is going to start a release program that allows kids to study the Bible during school hours. And I said, no way, you can't do that. kind of my mission field. However, I couldn't actually spell out the gospel message to them. Kids can study the Bible during school hours. It has to meet three criteria. One, it has to be voluntary. Two, the cost has to be paid for with private dollars. Third, it has to be off school property. You meet those three criteria, any child has the opportunity to study the Bible. Got really excited to think about all the students who could actually hear the gospel story as they're released from the public school setting into a facility like this. It's a joy to them to learn the Bible. It helps them to take it to the community, to the school, to their families. Austin came two years ago as a first grader. He went home and he said, Mom and Dad, we gotta go to church. Mom and Dad, let's go to church. They ended up coming to my church and they stayed. They've been in our church for about two and a half years now, and the mom just recently got baptized and gave a great testimony, and the church applauded and cheered. It just makes me feel happy that people are learning more and more about God. about some of the stuff that's going on in the world today. I don't go to church, so this is kind of my church. When I was younger, I didn't really have a thought of God and who he was, so now I have a deeper love for him. It is so rewarding. Um, the time that you can put in, the, the money that you're willing to donate to something like this, you're changing lives, you're changing hearts. church in America said we are going to go into our public school district. We are going to commit the time, the resources, the money. What would this nation look like 
if we all got together and said we're going to do this. So we have this with us this morning, Mandy and Summer. They'll come up. They're involved with LifeWise here in Urbana. And uh, they're just going to tell you a little bit more about LifeWise and maybe how you can get involved. So let's give them a little hand for being with us this morning. Hi, I'm Summer, and I'm a board member for LifeWise Academy here in Urbana. And this is Mandy. <laughs> and she's our director here for the program in Urbana. So first of all, thank you so much for having us this morning so that we can come and speak to you and let you know um, what we're doing. We're excited about this program. Also, thank you so much for your generosity. Um, we cannot do this without a partnership with our local church, without support from the community, without funds. As you saw, it's privately funded. So thank you so much for your generosity. Um, your building rescued us right in the nick of time. So. We so much appreciate that. Um, why? Why are we doing this? Um, I homeschool with some of the people in this room, so they, they know my family well. Um, but this is my community. Uh, studies have shown that 8 out of 10 youth in America are unchurched. 9 out of 10 of those are in the public school. So how do we get the gospel to them? Um, that's our goal, is to reach the unchurched, introduce the gospel to them, and then get them local, uh, get them plugged into a local church. Um, how are we doing that? Through uh, that federal law that they were talking about for release time. So there, there was a law passed back in the 1950s that said that um, children should, be re should have appropriate released time for religious activity at the public school level. So what this means is that they are allowed that time. There are three specifications you saw privately funded away from the school grounds, and number three, with parent permission. So with all of those things, we can introduce the gospel to these children in our local community that may not otherwise have that opportunity. We're starting in first and second grade here in Abrina Elementary, but we hope to um, cover all grades. We hope that the Lord, uh, that this thing explodes. We love your building. We are excited about this building, but we hope that we find ourselves in an issue where we've got so many kids, we don't know what to do because the Lord will provide in a, such a way that we can look back and say, only he did that. Only he could do that. So that is what we are excited and looking forward to. Um, let me make sure I've told you everything. It's gospel-centered. Uh, we do have information about the curriculum that you can look at if you're wondering what we're teaching. It's character-focused, so um, our principal up here has met with us. They're going to try to use some of the same language, still staying within federal guidelines, right, and state guidelines, but use some of the language that mirrors some of our character traits here that are being taught so that they're hearing it twice, not only from us, but from them. It's local church-driven. Like I said, we can't do this without you. There's no way. Um, it's a plug-and-play curriculum. They've, it's a proven model now for us. We have certified teachers. Um, we have bus drivers when we have a bus. But Mandy will tell you about our needs. Um, it's across the nation, and we strive towards excellence. So 
we're going to keep you informed. We're going to have open houses. We're going to have opportunities for you to come see what we are doing. Um, I'm going to let Mandy tell you what we need. Okay. Hi, I'm Mandy. Um, I will start by saying I am not a public speaker, so if I look like I'm going to throw up, that's pretty accurate. So, um, so I am the director. Um, I decided to come, I left my full-time job with the government to um, be home with my kids and felt like I needed to be doing something more, so here we are. Um, so some of the needs that we have, we do have a lot. Um, we need volunteers to help with the classrooms. We need volunteers. We have events that we're doing. We're at the fair right now all week. Um, so after here, I will be going to the fair to tell people about LifeWise. Um, we need substitute teachers. Um, we do have a full-time teacher, um, but we would like to have a couple substitutes in case this gets big fast. Um, you know, we would like to have some backups. Um, we need prayer. We're hoping to start a prayer team um, just to keep everyone in the loop about specific things that they could be praying for. Um, am I forgetting anything? Uh, we need a, yes, thank you. That's, that's my husband, Jesse. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we need a bus. So we are hoping to start with a shuttle um, from a local church. Um, it's, it only holds maybe 15 people, kids at a time. So if we get, you know, big, we will need a full-size bus. We want to paint it bright red and just drive through town with a bus just to get a lot of kids. So um, with that, we also need bus drivers. So if you know, they can also substitute for Urbana, if anybody knows um, bus drivers. Um, what else do we need? I think that's pretty much it. I will say our list of needs seems really, really long and um, overwhelming. <laughs> um, but here's the things that we do have. So we do have the full support of our school, which is huge. Our superintendent has been one of the biggest advocates, Charles Steele, um, for getting LifeWise going. Our principal wishes it were mandatory. <laughs> the elementary principal wants every kid to attend. They don't have to do that. They're letting us come into the school to talk to the kids. They're letting us send stuff home with the kids. They're letting us whatever we need, um, they're letting us do. We also have a ton of community support. Um, God is moving in Urbana. So the list of needs seems huge. Um, but we are, if, if LifeWise launched tomorrow, we'll be ready for it. <laughs> um, we are not called to be comfortable. <laughs> so here we are um, asking for support and um, prayer. And we fully intend to launch in less than two months. September 26th. Yes, God willing. So, thank you guys for letting us come. Oh, well, thank you, ladies. Thanks for letting us know about. It. So, when church is over, uh, if you have more uh, questions or, or uh, different things, if you want to know more of the needs that they have, they're going to be right over here, uh, and they'll just have some things they can hand out, whatever. But we're excited. I, I believe uh, the church should be a center of things that happen in the community. So, I'm excited that as a church, um, LifeWise is going to be here in our building uh, Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings every single week with the students they bring over here. They have a, 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 a several students signed up right now, but they hope when school comes it grows as they're staying. 
But also with that, by the way, uh, every other Friday, we have a homeschool co-op that meets here. So we have all sorts of students coming into our building during the school year, during, uh, during the week, and I love that. And you guys are a big part of it because, well, without you, we wouldn't have a building and, and the sources, uh, resources for them to use. So we're excited to be a part of that. And it is on our prayer list that we pray for LifeWise and our homeschool co-op that God is doing amazing things with that. Amen? So thank you. So again, if you have more questions about that, you can uh, see them right after church. And we're actually releasing all the kids that are heading over to the, to the water event at the Botkins campus. They're heading out right now. So... They're over there for a good time today. All right, so if you got your Bibles, the book of Psalm, chapter number 145. We're starting a new series today uh, simply because I want to encourage you. And, and I think um, what I find so much in the church is that we know things that God has said, or, we, or at least we're coming into understanding about things that God has said but the application of those things often is a little slow. Uh, we're often educated what we know well beyond our application, in other words, how we begin to live. We want to catch up a little bit today because one thing I run into is a phrase that I hear so much is in one way or another, it is said, I'm not good enough. And over this next month, I want to deal with that a little bit. And there's some aspects of that I want to talk to you about. But here's what I know. We'll start here. Everybody, I mean literally everyone, needs Jesus. No question. There's not a person, not, not anybody out there, does not need Jesus in their life because each person is dead in their sin. In other words, every person needs the newness of life forgiven. Each person needs a restored relationship with God. That's the whole thrust of salvation. So, uh, yes, you cannot have true life without Jesus. In other words, you are not good enough to earn it on your own. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good works. You can't pile up enough great things and God says, oh, that's just good enough. You, you can just be accepted and, and brought into relationship with me. No, we all need Jesus. He is the only way, the truth, and the life, the only way. He's the only way to the Father. But yet, even though we are not good enough to earn our salvation, there's this wonderful thing is the fact that God wants to save you. In other words, to forgive you. He wants relationship with you. He wants eternity with you. But why would he want to save his creation even though it's lost? He wants to save it on the grand scale, by the way, all the way down to the individual person. But why? Well, in one sense, that's who he is. That's what he does. But in another sense, because his creation is valuable to him. Isn't that right? Now, you can look at your neighbor and say, but you're part of his creation. You can tell him that. Go ahead and point at him, elbow him, say something. Say, you're valuable because you're part of his creation. Tell your neighbor that. You're valuable. So God wants to save you. You can't save yourself, but he wants to save you because to him, you are valuable. See, God doesn't do things in random chance. He doesn't leave things to fate. Everything he does has reason. Everything he does has purpose. Right down to the individual person that ends up on this planet, reason and purpose, therefore value to him. 
But what I do know is this. We as people often devalue ourselves. And I'm not talking about denying that you need saved or need forgiven. That's true. But I'm talking about how you devalue yourself and how God sees you. And in turn, then how you see yourself. So you think of your failures, your mistakes, your shortcomings. You often think of what you are not and wish you were something. You may think of what others have said and done to you that have, in a way, devalued you. Maybe in life you've been blindsided. Maybe you feel like you've been left out. You think of your struggles, your, your sinful tendencies. You may have a list of regrets, things I wish I would have done or, or things I wish I would not have done. You may have things in your life you wish you can take back, but you cannot. Things that you feel shameful about, condemned about. And by the way, the devil really has to pile on that stuff. He has to pile on. Breaking yourself over these things. Maybe there's others that rake you over them. I don't know. But what I do know is we often hold ourselves hostage to things that God has forgiven us for and things that he is moving us through. Often we hold ourselves hostage to our past. But I know this, but hear this, listen to this. The Bible, the scriptures are full of imperfect people. Failures and mistakes and struggles. But yet these imperfect people that failed and, and had mistakes and, and were in the midst of struggle still somehow, someway ended up being a people of God, the children of God, and used of God. Because God is the master of taking things that aren't perfect and doing wonderful things with them. That's what he does. So here's why I want you to know, throw this slide up. If you've got that first slide for me. I want you to know that you are not defined by your failures, but by God and his grace. You are not defined by your failures, your struggles, but you are defined by God as his creation, and you're defined by his grace, which gives you all that you need. And sometimes you've got to start to rewrite how you think of yourself in order to start to line up with what God has said instead of being held hostage by your past and your failures and your mistakes and your struggles. All the reasons you can make a list and say, I'm not good enough, and therefore I'm defined by that. No, God is saying, listen, listen to me. My grace is sufficient for you. I am making new things where there was things that were dead. I am making new things where life has broken you apart. I am making new things in the things that you cannot take back. That's what grace is all about. You're not defined by your failures, but you're defined by him if you learn to listen to him. So, so I want to look at three psalms here, They're just snippets of some psalms. And what I love about the psalms is the psalms are real life. They're gritty. They're full of emotion. You can find every, every part of the human emotion experience in the psalms if you read through them. I'm a big advocate of part of whatever your daily reading plan is to include a psalm a day. But Psalm 145 
in verse number 14 simply says this. David writing this. He says, the Lord upholds all who are what? Falling. And he raises up all who are bowed down, or in other words, pushed down by life. But I think you need to see the key there is this. Part of life is that there's going to be times where you fall. That's inevitable. Part of life is there's going to be times where you feel like life has pushed you down. By the way, sometimes you fall because you did something that wasn't the wisest thing. And sometimes life just knocks you down. Sometimes life bows you down and puts pressure on you because of decisions that you have made. Sometimes just life happens. But the key here, if you're able to see in the midst of it, God will uphold you in the midst of when you fall. And God will raise up, raise up all who have been pushed down. Now, that's David writing there. Another one, Psalm 37. Jump back a few chapters in your Bible. Psalm 37. Verse 24. Again, David writing here. Though he fall, again, inevitable in life, he shall not be cast headlong. In other words, not have the ability to get up. Why? Because it's the Lord who upholds his hand. It's kind of like uh, if you ever have a little one, they, they just wipe out all the time, constantly falling down. As a parent, especially young children, you constantly are doing this, grabbing them by the hand and helping them back up. And depending on what happened, they could be in tears or sobbing, you know, uh, they could have skinned their knee up, and you're, you're always pulling them up and taking care of them, telling them it's okay. Look, you hold them up, you're all still in one piece, we're fine, you can stop crying now, it's okay. Not a big deal, right? God is constantly in the act of grabbing our hand and helping us back up. And somehow, some way, just kind of holding us and saying, look, it's okay. I know it hurt. Yeah, I know it wasn't easy. Yeah, 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 you, you skin your knee, you, you're bleeding. I get it. But you're okay. You're just experiencing life. But, but the fact is, I'm here. Now, the amazing thing about this, David writes those two psalms, right? It's easy to pick on David in the Bible when it comes to failure. He, he's like test case. Now, when God was rejecting Saul and choosing David, the Bible says that he was choosing somebody after his own heart. Now, what's amazing is that David was a man after God's own heart, a young man that grew into a man after God's own heart. But yet the Bible has a whole bunch of instances where the guy failed. And we know the biggest one, the easiest one to pick on is the whole Bathsheba thing. Where kings are out at war and where David should have been, he was home. And he ends up in an adulterous affair when he sees a woman who he knows because Uriah was a fighting man that he knew, bathing. And he took her in and had an affair with her while her husband Uriah was out at war. I mean, that's a bad thing. That's a mistake. That's a failure. David was struggling with something in his heart that he gave action to. But if that's not bad enough, he tries to cover his tracks because he finds out she's pregnant. 
So through a series of events, he ends up having her husband killed. Adultery, murder, failures, mistakes, things he probably wished he could take back. Then, then comes Nathan the prophet and, of course, exposes the whole thing, exposes David to himself, right? And there's this thing that happens where, where a, a cycle of judgment starts to happen in David's life. First of all, the, the baby conceived and the adultery dies. But there's a prophecy to him that, hey, you know, the sword's never going to leave your house, which is the whole reason why eventually he was not allowed to build the temple and Solomon did it. And there was also this whole prophecy from Nathan that uh, how you did this to your eyes, the same thing's going to happen to you. That was the whole Absalom story that happened later. All that was put into motion because of what David did. Now, understand something. There are going to be instances and things in your life because the decisions you made, you set some things in motion that are just going to set in motion. But even in the midst of all that happening, it is the grace of God who still is able to pick David up out of that mess and continue to be a man after God's own heart, which is amazing to me. I mean, if you, if you list, you shouldn't do this, but if you list bad sins, adultery and murder will be in the top ten probably, and he did two of them. But yet God was able to rescue him out of his sin because of his repentant heart and pick him up by the hand as his grace was sufficient for him. Amazing. Now, in no way does this make excuse for sin. Well, I'm just going to sin. It's going to be okay because God's grace. But at the same time, yet we do make mistakes and things happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. Paul writing here. Now, I find this, this passage uh, uh, fascinating. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. So Paul was uh, in, this, in this letter to the church in Corinth. He was defending himself as the authority of an apostle because there were people in the Corinthian church that were pushing back against his authority. There was some heresy slipping into the church. So Paul spends what we look at here as a couple chapters, sort of defending himself and his authority as an apostle. But here's something he writes, starting in verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of surpassing greatness of the revelations, and just read before that later to see what he's talking about. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And watch what Paul says here. This is, this is amazing to me. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content, watch this, content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Now, the thorn that Paul's talking about here, there's so much written out there about what it is. There's not a consensus what this thorn is. It's not a failure, but it's something that is happening in his life as the enemy was afflicting him. But what I want you to see here is no matter what, an ongoing issue in life, a current struggle, a past failure, a past sin, understand something. God's grace is sufficient for you. Because of these things in your life, grace is actually shown to you, received and lived in. It is shown in strength, strength to go on, strength to overcome. So in one way, our weaknesses and our failures are an opportunity to highlight the grace of God. That's amazing to think about. You will discover him in all these ways that grace affords and gives us in the midst of your failures and your weaknesses. God shows up in the midst of that specific thing and he comes in strength. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's almost like this tension in your life. You understand you're weak. You understand you can't do this by yourself. You understand you can't do this alone. You understand you've made mistakes. You get it. But it's in the midst of that that God shows up and says, okay, now you'll know me. And you'll experience me in strength. And you're going to experience me in a way that I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to grab you by the hand and pick you back up and hold you up and say, it's okay. I, I know that's rough. I know that was a big mistake. I know this is a struggle. But look, we're going to keep going. His grace is sufficient for us. And I want you to grab hold of that and believe that because grace covers everything. No one is too far gone. No failure is too big. No struggle is too much that his grace is not sufficient. God can use the greatest failure of, his, of your life for his glory. He has a way of doing that, you know. He'll take your mess and he will turn it around and do something amazing with it. We sing that song, Graves in the Garden, right? He can take with an absolute mess of your life, death there, and turn it into something beautiful and wonderful and amazing. That's what the creator God does. He's still creating gardens, right? He's still making things, life in front of you. Take your mess and make it something good. That's the grace of God. So here's three things I want you to know. Three things. Here's the first thing. When it comes to your past, do not let your past and your failures hold your present and your future hostage. Do not allow your past and your mistakes and your struggles hold the present and the future hostage. No, God's grace is sufficient to bring you out of that into the newness of life today. See, the enemy wants to keep you bound up. It's kind of like this. There's a story, I think I shared this with you before, but there's a story about the end of World War II. There was an island somewhere that was sort of secluded, and sometimes the news of what was happening around the world wasn't reaching there in real time. It was taking some time to get there. And there were hostages there, prisoners of a camp, and the Nazis had the camp, 
and there were uh, different uh, uh, of the Allied forces in that camp. Here's the thing. The war was over. The Nazis had surrendered, but yet they were still running the camp. And all the prisoners of camp were actually set free. Not only were they set free, but actually because of the terms of surrender, they were actually in charge of the camp, but it was still being run by the Nazis, and they still were imprisoned. They were set free, but they still lived like prisoners. We often do that. It's like, it's like the prison door has been swung open, and we just kind of hang out in the jail cell. We allow our past and things of, of, that have happened to us and our failures to keep us in bondage, though Jesus had swung open the prison doors. And the moment the news of surrender reached that camp, the highest-ranking officer of the American army that was there all of a sudden was in charge of the camp. He just didn't know it until the news got there. We often live that way. Don't allow your past to hold you hostage in the present. See, in other words, you've got to embrace the forgiveness of God in your life. There are times that you're going to have to come to peace with yourself because of things that have happened in the past. In a certain way, understand that you forgive yourself. If God has forgiven you, you can forgive yourself. In other words, it's the work of grace in your life. Come to peace with your past because God is doing a work in you. And by the way, part of that is you may learn, have to learn how to forgive somebody, too. Not just about yourself, but sometimes it's other people, too. But don't allow your past to hold you hostage in the present and into your future. Embrace that we all make mistakes. That's fact, but you don't have to stay living in them. There may be ongoing repercussions of certain things, but God's grace is going to cause you to overcome. Don't live in them. Don't stay attached to them. Let Jesus set you free. There's a second thing I want you to know. Sort of a side note here. When it comes to God working your life currently, if you are currently struggling in life with anything, I want you to picture it this way. If this, if this was the ocean right here and I'm standing on the shore, the beach, if you're out there and you feel like you're drowning, Jesus, God, is not standing on the shore just shouting direction to you. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to do that. Hey, swim this way. Hey, keep going. He's not shouting at you from the distance. He's actually in the water with you. He's got a hold of you. He's keeping your head above the water. He's helping you tread water. He doesn't shout at you from a distance, but he gets right there with you. You have to know that and embrace that in your heart. Because I think sometimes because I'm in the water, we think God's absent. No, you're just in life. But God didn't shout at you from a distance when you're in the midst of the water. Well, just, can't he just make it go away? Not always, no. But he's out there with you. He's not going to leave you. 
You know, it sometimes feels like you're bobbing up and down. That happened to me one time. We were on, on a lake and our kayak overturned and, and I didn't have my life jacket on. Stupid. And, uh, and I was literally bobbing up and down and I, I had a life jacket in one part of my arm and I'm trying to get a hold of it. And I understand you're going up and down. You're just, this is crazy. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. That's what you feel like. But Jesus is there with you. He hasn't left you. In the midst of that, his grace is sufficient for you. And he will see you through. So I want you to know that. Don't, don't ever feel like you're alone. God's got you. And many times, even in my life, when I've experienced things that were hard and I was struggling or I made a mistake, and I felt like God would want nothing to do with me because of what I did, that's the total opposite of what he does. God does not turn his back on you, but he grabs a hold of you. God's not angry at you. He's not this angry old man in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can throw lightning bolts at you. That's not God. If you will learn to cry out to him, he's just right there. He's going to see you through. So having said that, here's the third thing I want you to know. Today, right now, it is safe to hope again. Today, right now, it's safe to dream again. Today, right now, it's safe to plan again. It's safe to ask the question, what now, God? In other words, what about my future? It's safe to be present in life again. Some of you understand what I mean by that. Why? Because, throw the second slide up there, Christian. Because in him, because his grace is sufficient, you have a future because of the grace of God. Your past does not take away your future because God's grace is sufficient. And I'm not talking just about eternity. We know that. We believe that. But the here and now, God has a future for you that is full of life. No matter what the past was like, no matter what your struggle in the moment is, God is always putting life in front of you. Amen. Even if at times he's got to help you up by the hand so you can keep going. I want you to embrace that today because I believe that there are so many of us that are hostage to circumstances, not only the past, but even the present, that we can't even dream, we can't even hope, we can't even plan. We feel like life's at a standstill. Not only is it a standstill, I've been so far thrown off the course, I don't even know where I am anymore. And the devil's just going to pile on. Remind you of your failures, remind you of your mistakes, remind you why you're not good enough. But if you listen, God is in the background saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Believe it. Grab hold of it. Allow the grace to work in your life and set you free into your future. Amen? You believe that? Here's here's what I want to do. I'm going to do something really simple this morning, just kind of an action of activity. The ushers have these irregular shape. I just chopped these things up. There was nothing pretty or perfect about this. A little white piece of paper. 
They're going to hand them out to everybody. And what I want you to do, if there is something that you know God has forgiven you for, but yet you still feel like it has hold of you, don't put your name on it. Don't, just, just write it on this little piece of paper and fold it in half and hold it for a second. Now, what does that mean? Well, it actually means nothing, but I'm trying to get you to think. And we're going to do a little action with it to close out our service today. Because I want you to walk out of these doors today full of hope that my future is wide open in front of me. And the grace of God will be with me the entire way. Amen? So take a moment. Be, be, if, if you need something to write with, you know, wave your hand around. They'll come back and help you. But I want you to think about it for a second. Things you feel shameful about, things you feel condemned about, things you feel like that maybe God didn't forgive you about, things that you don't feel like you've been set free from, things that, things that weigh you down. Think about it. I'll give you a moment. If you're at home, you can, you can do this at home. Chamberlain, if you come up and, and play for me for a second, please. pray in just a second. You know, your life is, is imagine it's like a big whiteboard. And, and your past can be like just things written all over it and just, just full of clutter and full of junk. That all you see when you look at the whiteboard is just full of all that mess. What God's grace does, he comes with this big eraser. He just wipes it. Brand new whiteboard. Then framed by the word of God and the things God has said. The leading of the Holy Spirit. Now all of a sudden you get to write in a new future led by him. I'm forgiven. I've been set free. I am no longer condemned for that. I'm no longer pinned with shame. He wipes the whole thing clean so now you have a brand new whiteboard of a future full of endless possibilities in who God is. But sometimes what happens is God wipes it clean and you get the marker out and write it right back up there. And you take it with you. Come down and try to wipe it clean. You just you keep, God, I let your grace do what it's doing in your life. You have to embrace it. Amen. What I'm going to have you do in just a second is, I'm not going to look at this. Whatever's on here, 
in just a moment, I'm going to have you come and lay it at the cross. Symbolically saying, this is my past. It's no longer on my whiteboard. God dealt with it. So I don't have to carry this around anymore. I've been set free. Amen? Because then we find renewed hope. The, the whole abundant life Jesus talked about was setting free from sin, the abundance of life. But, but there, there's a whole domino effect of, of our future because of it. It's been said that Jesus gives us a new way to be human, but you can't be that way until your past is left behind. Amen? So I'm going to pray. And I want you to prayerfully think about this while I pray. As a matter of fact, you stand up this morning. When I'm done praying, Chamberlain's going to do a little something up here. I'm going to give you just a moment to prayerfully come down and lay things down at the cross. But before you walk away from this, in your heart, acknowledge, Lord, I have been set free. I'm leaving this here. It has no place in my life anymore, devil. My future is wide open. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the sufficiency of your grace. That where we have been weak, where we have struggled, where we have fa failed, you are strong. And you pick us up by the hand. And we're going to keep living this life, but live it in you. And the life that you give. Lord, we're no longer going to bring back our own past. We give it to you and walk in the freedom of our future. Lord, and I thank you for that. For your love, the grace, for new life. I thank you for that. That you didn't leave us in our mess, but you come to save us and set us free. Thank you for that. I pray, Lord, for freedom for everybody here. Freedom, absolute freedom in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have something to bring this morning, go, go ahead and do so, and we'll close out service with that.